0: Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. A lot of brains in this, but investing in yourself is the best
0: thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time, you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I buy anything I want basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. We strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you?
2: I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, Great to be with you for this four podcast crossover
0: episode. Mm, Massive, potentially Australia first. We haven't done any due diligence to understand if that's true or not. But, um,
2: oh, that's
0: unlike us. That <laughs> <laughs> is unlike us. That's right. This episode is appearing over on Equity Mates Investing and on two podcasts on the Rask Invest podcast network because we're joined by one of our good friends of the show, Owen Raskovich from Rask Australia, because we've launched a couple of courses, um, which we think uh, you guys are going to get a lot of value from. We're also going to have a chat to Owen about a hidden software stock. Uh, that he's going to talk through how he found it and why he likes it and uh, give you a bit of an insight into what is value investing. Mm. And
2: I think when we speak about these courses, obviously we talk about them more in the podcast, but there are two. There is uh, one which is a little bit more advanced, which has a price tag, but there is a basics of investing, a get started investing course that is free. And I think if I think back to the early days of my investing journey, something like this that would have really sort of focused my attention on the important stuff would have been really helpful. Probably would have saved me some money that I lost investing. Um, If you don't feel like uh, you want to pay for the paid course, that's absolutely fine. But I think there's a free resource that Owen and his team have put a lot of time into and that Bryce and I have contributed to. Um, (laughs) And I think it's, it's worth going to check out.
0: Love it. Well, without further ado, let's crack in. Well, g'day everyone. We are really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Bryce. Uh, I'm co-founder of Equity Mates. and I'm here with Alec Renahan and Owen Raskevich. Uh, Ren, welcome.
2: <laughs> hey Bryce. Great to be here. Owen, good to, uh, We'll not be in the same room, but be on the same call.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me on uh, your show. And for those of you that haven't heard my voice before, I'm Owen Rask, founder of Rask Australia. And this episode is going across the Australian Investors Podcast and the Australian finance podcast I don't know about you guys I th- I, n- I know the equity community equity mates community is massive we've got about 80,000 monthly uh, listeners across the two podcasts so I'm a bit nervous I'm a bit nervous to be honest it's, a, it's gonna be a good app, but I'm a bit nervous
2: oh and you've been on our show before
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> t- I know but this is this is like high stakes we've got no. I think this has got to be like the first crossover by four <laughs> podcast channels it is Australian a, it could be an Australia
0: it could be an Australian first that's for sure
1: yeah, well, let's yeah. call it an Australian
2: first and make people fact check us. <laughs> but no, uh, I think uh, for the Equity Mates community, for the Get Started Investing community, uh, I think a lot of people will know Owen. There's probably a lot of crossover between our podcast audiences. Um, but Owen is uh, the founder of Rask Invest, uh, podcast host, uh Investor extraordinaire. Yes, that's Uh, right. I
1: don't know about that, but I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: take it, take it. Uh, And we've got a lot to discuss today. Uh, We uh, Well, the first uh, clickbait title, The Truth About Value Investing. Uh, Then we've got a hidden software stock. And then a VIP pitch, so a lot of clickbait in that introduction, but a lot to cover. Uh, I'm excited to to get into it today.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it, Ren. This is in celebration of the hard work that's been going on behind closed doors for the Value Investor Program that has been uh, a a long time in the making between Rask and Equity Mates, and we're really really excited to now be able to. At least give the Equity Mates community a couple of really valuable courses to help them on their investing journey. So, uh, Owen, I know we're going to talk a bit about it towards the end, but do you want to just give a, a quick spiel as to what we've done and, and why we've done it?
1: Yeah, sure. So, we've launched two courses. Um, and one of those is the Get Started Investing course, which we've kind of tried to marry against your great book, you know, to try and give an online, lighter version of, of the book. And the hope is that. All listeners can read the Get Started Investing book and take the online course if they choose. And then we've got uh, this epic program, which we call the Value Investor Program, which has been an undertaking. I've got to tell you, gents, um, I know you guys know this, but everyone listening, creating an online course isn't easy. And we've got about 15,000 students enrolled in our courses already. And this one is by far the biggest, most in-depth value investing curriculum we've ever put together. So super excited super wow. excited
2: look it's we didn't uh, we didn't put the course together like <laughs> Owen and the team did a lot of the hard work. But we know how hard it is because we had to fly down to Sydney, a uh, down to Melbourne, and then Owen had to fly up to Sydney, even just to do our parts. of it.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. A lot of time and effort has gone in. It's um, it's it's great, and Owen, I'm really excited, and I'm we're also incredibly thankful for the work that you've put in. And you mentioned that you know it's CFA chart holders, portfolio managers, chartered accountants. They've all done courses through you guys, so um, pl- mm. plenty of experience and and um there's a lot of value to take out of these courses so yeah yeah
2: and i think for yeah. the equity mates community and the get started investing community courses is something that people have asked for a lot and you know bryce and i aren't experts we're not from the industry we probably we didn't feel like we were in a position to actually teach other people through courses but owen uh, you're an expert in the field uh, you've come up in the training school of training schools, which is the Motley Fool Australia. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't think of anyone better to uh, put together a course for the Equity Mates community.
1: Yeah, well, I really appreciate that, guys. What I found, you know, is that through studying things like uh, the CFA exams or doing, you know, master's degrees and whatever, I actually, I'm really surprised that still we get people with 10 years experience or more coming to take our courses on investing. And that just highlights... Um, how difficult it is to find really good sources of practical investment education in Australia and even probably globally. There are some really reputable firms, but um, yeah, we're stoked. I mean, I did did some workshops in person and I found portfolio managers were rocking up to the programs and I was getting the sweats because I was thinking, (laughs) surely you guys should be teaching me, but it's the way our industry is constructed and I'm so glad that we can just- Really help people, um, whether you're new or advanced. It's
2: just because awesome. it's just because they want that hidden software stock, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to that. Let's, in just a yeah,
0: let's get to that. So um, we're going to have a bit of a chat at the end of this episode about the value investor program, um, why you should take it, what you'll get out of it, what you can hope to learn, and and how to get involved. But uh, given that it is all about uh, value investing, Owen, and and that's kind of your wheelhouse. Well, let's spend about five minutes or so unpacking value investing and answering the question is value investing dead? So yeah, wh- where, sure. do we, wh- where do we want to start? Is well, it dead? Well, hold <laughs> on, before Owen
2: gives the technical answer, Bryce, is value investing dead? No. There we go. Move on. <laughs> so that's what you can expect <laughs> from the, that's the quality,
0: quality content you can expect from this course. <laughs> All right, Owen, uh,
2: talk us through it. It's uh, obviously the last sort of, 10 years of our investing lives have been dominated by large cap growth stocks. The uh, the value investor has underperformed the market. We've had a few on equity mates and God, it's tough to be a value investor when growth is ripping, but is it mm. dead as a philosophy? Is value investing dead?
1: I, I, I would agree with Bryce. I don't think so. Um, and I think to to understand this, like we've got to go back to what is value investing. And, and value investing is just the concept of buying something for less than it's worth. And if we go right back to the beginning, like the forefathers of value investing, uh, Ben Graham and, and Warren Buffett, what we've seen is an evolution of value investing. So in the beginning, it was try to buy companies where the total value of the company was worth less than the cash they had in the bank. So that was like during depression era stuff where... Ben Graham could just run a statistical analysis using a pen and paper or pencil and paper to figure out what was cheap. Warren Buffett then came along and started to take that to the next level and think about what he calls owner earnings, which is basically like dividends plus the increase in assets of a company. So as the company gets more valuable, does it buy more buildings, properties, etc.? Then Charlie Munger met with Warren Buffett. And this is where things started to get really interesting. And it kind of moves us into the modern era of value investing, which is... Charlie Munger basically taught Warren Buffett, buy wonderful companies at a fair price. Don't buy those cheap cigar butts that Ben Graham taught you about. Buy companies that you can hold for 10 or 20 years, companies that will keep compounding. And that's what we know today as growth stocks. So the companies that, you know, know, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Apple, all these businesses started off as much smaller businesses and they had intrinsic values at the time or valuations that were much lower than they are today. And that's what we've seen the evolution over time. One of the questions I always get is: Is discounted cash flow analysis dead? That's called DCF analysis. Is what we teach in the course. Um, the, the reality is no, because at the end of the day, something is only worth what you get back from it. Whether you, however, you're accounting for that, it's only worth what you, someone will buy it from you in the future or the dividends you receive. So. You know, regardless of whether you're investing in meme stocks, you're still going to get something back in the future. So we try and estimate what that probability
2: is. It depends what meme stock.
1: (laughs) Well, there's there's some stocks that you know just keep going down and become an even bigger meme. Um, But you know, and then I think one thing that's worth talking about is kind of the art of value investing. So there's like the right brain, left brain. Well, um, before before we
2: move too far into that, I guess the question that comes out of uh, what you've just said there is. Maybe the 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 right question isn't is value investing dead. The right question is is value investing a useful label? Because uh, you know we did an mm. episode on get started investing a few weeks ago, um, where we spoke about you don't have to pick a side. There's you know active v passive, value v growth. There's all these debates in the investing world, and a lot of them at the end of the day don't really matter. Um, and no. you can be on both sides of them. And it just feels like from what you've just said there, the idea of value and growth being like two distinct camps constantly at war disagreeing on the right way to invest is just a not a useful distinction um in 2022
1: yeah and that's fair like i had it put to me that you know old value investing the way we were taught is buy a dollar for 60 cents mm. but the modern i guess take on that is buy a dollar for a dollar that goes to a dollar ten so buy something that increases in value and hold on to it and I think, yeah, you know, you're spot on. Like we often draw these lines in investing. We give ourselves false choices. A false choice is like, a, I guess, a a shortcoming of our brains where we think, oh, you know, I need to turn left or right because I can't go straight ahead, when both roads would meet in the end anyway. And you've seen the tortilla ad or the, the taco ad where the young Mexican girl goes, why not have both? Um, and hard or soft shells, it doesn't matter. It's still a taco at the end of the day. And that's you can have both because they – Value or growth investing, they're one and the same. Again, it just comes back to what we're buying it for versus what we get back.
2: So, uh, based on that, uh, let's move to what you were saying before the art of value investing uh, or the art of value plus growth investing, whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> How do we actually execute it?
1: Yeah, sure. So, one of the things that, and, and you guys would have experience with this starting your own business, right? Let's call it an empire. Um, <laughs> mine is maybe just a small minnow next to yours, but. No, I'm um, sorry you would know, right? There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. We have our own balance sheets. Like when I do my numbers in zero every month or every quarter, I, I, I that's the only time I check the profit and loss, to be honest, like other than making sure that we're running okay. The reality is that businesses aren't just spreadsheets and they're not just financial data. Don't tell you know, Bryce do in- <laughs> <laughs> is- yeah, Business yeah. is don't zero. <laughs> <shells>. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and so I heard um, this really, uh, really good investor and educator out of the U.S., Brian Feroldi, basically say that over the short term, like one day, stock prices might be driven by by news flow. Over a year, statistics show that it's maybe multiples, like price earnings ratios, and that sort of stuff. But over five and ten years, what you're actually getting when you buy a stock is you're getting you're getting the value of people creating new um, solutions to problems, and you're betting on people innovating. And if you think about that. There's no number that could necessarily tell you which team might innovate better than the next. You've got to actually understand what they're working on and how they're solving that problem. And that has, again, nothing to do with the spreadsheet. And so that's where the art of value investing comes in. It's estimating what will be in the future. And that's, you know, that's that qualitative stuff. It's the stuff we build on from our experience and philosophy.
0: Mm. Now, Owen, we've spoken a number of times with you on the show and on AusBiz, and we talk about it in the courses as well, and that's around... uh, the biases that we often face as, as investors. Um, so before we move to the hidden software uh, company, do you want to just chat through? Uh, you know, you know your your thoughts on some of the biases that we may need to overcome as an investor.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, Ren already brought up one, which is this false choice. My portfolio, actually, as as I reveal in the Valley Investor Program, my portfolio, having done this for over ten years now, is actually not what I want it to be. So let me just <laughs> okay. say, yeah, it's not. there's not enough zeros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well that's the first thing. But second of all is that, um, you know, I, the way I invest today is very different to how I started investing and that's okay. But what, I've, what I have articulate in the course is that basically we have that core and satellite approach to portfolios. And oftentimes you'll have a fund manager on your podcast or, some, or a commentator and they'll say, you need to invest in index funds. And then the next one will say, buy individual stocks. And it all sounds really great when they talk and then you're influenced by that. And that's an example of like your biases coming out. Um, you hear this news, it's a recency bias, it's confirmation bias, it's whatever you internally believe. Now we don't have to make that choice. We don't have to make a choice between active or passive. We don't have to make a choice between ETFs or shares. You can have both. You can have all of them. Like it's okay. And that's one thing that I've realized and the way we combat these things is basically having you know a, a toolkit of mental models. And one of the one of the most powerful that I've come across is basically this asking yourself what sucks. So whenever you make an investment, invert the logic. Why would I not buy this? What sucks? just having that is super powerful and it combats a lot of those biases that you might be thinking. Uh, There are many others. There is a whole, there are many, many websites that deal with this. Um, One thing I might just call out quickly and how to combat a lot of these is just writing down your thesis. You guys have talked about this, write down why you own a company, um, or an ETF, or anything, why you're building wealth in the first place. Anything that you write down will help you, because it will help guide your future self, make better decisions. And that's just a way to combat these biases.
0: Yeah, that was a game changer for me, I think, writing down the thesis. It also make you know, I think I would have, I've, I've bought a lot less by forcing myself to write down thesis, because then, <laughs> then you would answer that question, what sucks? And you go, actually, this sucks. Mm, what, <laughs> writing, like doing handwriting sucks? Yeah, yeah, so i go to the <laughs> computer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such an easy Something to
2: do like once or twice and then just never do again. Yeah. But like that habit of doing it every time, the discipline of doing it every time is such an important skill.
0: So, Owen, uh, it's that time. We love specific stock chat and uh, you've been kind enough to always share your time and and some of the stocks that are on your watch list. But I guess keeping in mind what we've just discussed about value investing and and, uh, the evolution, uh what what's the company or this one hidden software stock that's coming across your screens at the moment and really um ticking a lot of boxes for you
1: yeah sure so this is actually one company that um it's in my top five holding so full disclosure i actually own this company and the reason that it has got there is because i've held it for quite some time so i didn't just go in all guns blazing and i think that's really important because this is a smaller company it's about 400 million dollars uh or just just over when you um If you have the market cap, the market capitalization, but if you exclude the cash that it has on its balance sheet, um, it's around about 400 million Australian dollars. This is a company called RPM Global. Now, it's really important. We chatted off air about this. Please (laughs) do not get confused. There is a company which trades under the ASX ticker symbol RPM. It is not that. This is (laughs) RPM Global, trades under the ticker symbol RUL. And what does it do? RPM Global is a mining software business. Now, it sometimes gets caught up. In the mining services and mining consulting because that's where it started in the 1970s it started as an an advice giver to mining engineers to mining owners all these different uh, types of players in the resources sector and over time what it did was it realized that software is going to play a bigger part in the way we manage mines the way we optimize mines the way we plan for mines and so it started to build its own software it started to buy software but it wasn't really until 2012 when it really changed gears behind the scenes uh, i guess an it professional and enterprise professional named richard matthews took the helm of rpm global and he comes from an it enterprise background so he saw all of the challenges in mining that could be solved with software that talks to other software and it basically he said about building so- this software that could be sold on subscription to help miners plan to help them design imagine those big things that look like tonka trucks. Every time that takes an ineffective route around the mine, it's wearing down the tires. And those tires aren't cheap. And they maybe take a day or two to replace. Every one of those routes that it takes during the day with a full load could be minimized and then ultimately save money. So this is like what we call asset maintenance tracking. Uh, It's one of the pieces of software that RPM Global is known for. And that's basically what's happened is the business from there has taken it in its stride to increase its spending on mining and increase... Uh, sorry, increase its spending on software and create a full suite of software that can talk to other pieces of software at the mine site. And this is a a really interesting business and it's still early in that journey.
0: Is this a company that um, has its software being used at some of the big miners in Australia, like the Rios, the BHPs, or is it at the smaller end of town?
1: Yeah, so all of those that you mentioned, uh, Rio Tinto, Glencore, BHP, uh, I think Anglo's in there too, basically all of the biggest miners in the world. So use yeah, wow. some or like some of it software, its software, at some mine somewhere in the world. And so the, the, the really interesting thing about mining software and, and Richard Matthews talks about this is miners tend to be what we call fast followers. So they don't want to be the first one that uses the software because if something goes wrong, it's a pain in the backside to get it out. So what they effectively do is they, it's like they, they have foundation partners for their software. They say, we're going to build the software and we, want, we think it's perfect for you. But here, we'll build it together. We'll work with you to build it so you don't have to take the risk. And then what we'll do is we'll then take that as a case study and then sell it to other miners who want to follow in your footsteps. It's a fantastic way to think about selling the, the subscriptions because miners are often averse to subscriptions too. So it's a really, uh, it's a really interesting concept coming and selling this software into mines, but they've done a really good job since 2012. Uh, what we've seen is The software, if you look in the segment report in the annual report, this is in the notes to the financial statements, you'll see it. The software division has been profitable for many, many years, but it's the advisory and the consulting side of the business which has been ebbing and flowing with uh, commodities prices. So we're seeing it take over now.
2: Well, Owen, I was going to ask you about that because for the last four years, it's made about $70 million a year, every year, 73, 79, 78, 66. And it was—it hasn't turned a profit for the last couple of years. Um, mm. When we think, when you know, when we started here, we spoke about companies that are growing quickly. That revenue line doesn't doesn't look like it's a—it's uh, going in the right direction. Uh, can you talk to that? Mm.
1: Yeah, sure. So that's a great question, and I like the the harder question. So um, about, I think it's about off the top of my head, about ninety percent of its software is now sold on subscription, and this is a classic. I guess shift to software as a service. So, what happens is typically when you sell software, or historically when you would sell software, you might, you know, you'd be familiar with this if you got the old Microsoft Office disk, you'd pay a hundred bucks and you'd get it for life or whatever. And then they shifted to Microsoft 365 where you pay a bit every month. And what actually happens in that process is you actually cannibalize your revenue because you're effectively taking future years' revenue and you're taking it um, in monthly or quarterly or yearly blocks. And so What we can see if you dig into the presentations, you'll see that RPM Globals, the predominant timeline or, or I guess, amount that's left on the contracts for its software is three to five years. So they're effectively saying, don't pay us all of that upfront. So our revenue is not going to grow today, but we'll take it in the future because you're contracted legally to us. And that's why you don't see that budging. And that's where we're seeing that shift in the mix. I'll give you um, one statistic, which I found really interesting. Um, They made an update to the market in February, 2022. And what they said was, we've sold 31, I think it was $31 million of um, subscription software revenue, or software um, this year, this financial year. So that was what, like seven months, right? They now have $81 million uh, banked for the future. So that shows you how quickly they're moving. 31 just in seven months versus 81 overall. And so they're growing that future pipeline very quickly.
2: Mm. Nice. And then uh, one other question from me, Owen. Uh, I don't want to be the guy that's asking all the hard questions, but hey, someone's got to do it. (laughs) Um, uh, So we obviously are living through a great commodity cycle at the moment in Australia. Um, Iron ore has done well. Coal did really well last year. Uh, Some of Australia's big commodities were hot around the world. Uh, How much is this company exposed to the uh, commodity cycles and how do you think they would go if iron ore, coal fall um, from here?
1: Yeah, I think it would be volatile. And I don't think that investors would like that. So that's probably the first thing. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that as they bank more of these subscriptions, they're getting that annuity-like income. So it's not you know, immune to those ex- experiences. What we see is that when commodity prices uh, fall, we see that advisory and the consulting revenue, which is still a big chunk of their revenue, fall away because that predominantly works in like the M&A space. So when they give consulting um, advice, it's to people that want to merge or start new mines or whatever, and that we'll see that fall away pretty quick. And that's a pretty ugly side of the business, but we should see that software continue to grow. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is they're launching new products, so they're becoming more valuable to existing customers. And the final thing is a lot of people lump this business in with other mining exploration companies. It's not that. They don't necessarily do as much work in that. They're more in the scheduling and maintenance side and optimization side of, of mining. So more like existing mines, mines that have already been committed to. So they've got those three to five year plus contracts that should see them in good stead through the ebbs and flows of commodity prices.
0: So Owen, we've just uh, we've just spoken about writing down a thesis and asking yourself what sucks. So you've given us the the bull case for, for the stock. What what's the what's the bear case? What's the part that sucks about this?
1: Yeah. So the business has to keep growing. I think they're on track to do about $80 million of revenue in the financial year. It's a $400 million business and it's uh, tr- you know expected to do a revenue of about $80 million. So that's five times sales. The business is, as Ren pointed out overall is not profitable from like a, a total consolidated profit and loss statements perspective. So it's important to keep in mind that valuation is pretty rich. And if we do see sentiment shift away, we're seeing all of these tech stocks kind of get whacked. Um, the other thing is, I think the business, while they probably wouldn't say this, is pretty dependent on their CEO, Richard Matthews. He's a very, if you see him present, he's a very like, charismatic and a very optimistic leader. And I think he does a really good job of attracting and inspiring engineering talent to come into mining, which is typically not where they want to be. And so I think he's kind of like this visionary. Fortunately, when he became CEO, he actually bought a heap of stock in the business. So the the chance of him leaving is pretty low, but it is a risk. Um, the other bit, the other thing that I just want to highlight is that it has to grow. It basically has to grow to justify the valuation. For, as, as you guys have alluded to, it hasn't at the top line. So we really want to see that growth uh, pick up and go forward. Uh, and one more thing is acquisitions. They've made a lot of acquisitions over the years to complement their internal R&D. Um, they've made some divestments as well. But the, fortunately, the acquisitions have been small. Um, and have complemented the existing uh, infrastructure. If they start to get their kind of, I don't know, if they get a bit too heavy-handed in their acquisitions, we could see that go go badly. So uh, those are some of the things that I'm watching. Mm.
2: So, uh, Owen, I'm just scrolling through the, um, the RPM Global's website and looking at all the different software systems they have there, and it is... So, that some of them are so specific. There is one software solution which is the underground potash solution software. So, and it just got me thinking about moats. Like, it feels like these guys have a pretty solid head start in a pretty niche industry. Uh, when you think about moats uh, for this business, what comes to mind?
1: I'd say the stickiness. So the stickiness of existing customers means that it's like mission critical software. Um, the, other th- the other thing is the, the mining industry, they are kind of a leader. I'm not going to say they're the leader. They, re- they, re- they do work with like the likes of SAP and integrate with like big enterprise uh, resource planning software. And so um, the more, I guess, in bed they get with those big ERP systems, the better and more sticky their software becomes. So I would like to say that in time they have pricing power, the true sign of a moat, regardless of what type of moat it is, is the ability to attract customers and increase prices, or at least retain customers. If you can do both, that's the sign of a moat. And so I would suggest that we will see them you know, incrementally have those prices increasing over time while also retaining customers, which is the key insight there. And I think that's going to come from the fact that once you've installed the software, once it's working with the designers who are off-site, you know, all of the the project managers who are on site and everyone's using it and familiar with it, it's pretty hard to get rid of project management software and and anyone would tell Mm -hmm. you
2: that. Yeah, the switching costs are very high. So, look, even if it's got a moat, if it doesn't have a big market to grow into, it can still not be a great investment. It can be raising prices on a small uh, number of customers and uh, be limited. So, I guess my my final question about this company is, uh, is it is it primarily Australian or is it, uh, does it, is it servicing miners around the world? Like when we think about total addressable market for a company like this, is it every mine in every country in the world or is it more limited than that? What's
1: well, traditionally focused on things like thermal coal, um, copper, and those types of things. So those are, you know, in themselves, they're multi-billion dollar industries. Um, And you're right, Like the, the software is somewhat specific. I think if you exclude exploration software too, it becomes a bit more narrower. So software for exploration, I think off the top of my head, when I went back and did this a few years ago, I think it was about $700 million a year. That was the estimate of the TAM for that. Uh, and this is, you know, this is more, I guess, more niche, as you say, but it's still got a, a TAM, I believe that's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. They're not going to get all of that. There's no way that they'll get all of that. Um, there are incumbents. They are one of the leaders in this space. And what we've seen recently ran is there's also strategic value in these businesses. So we've seen a couple, and there's one here in Australia, actually, that was a big mind design and scheduling software provider um, that actually got taken over. So, and, and it got taken over for a pretty hefty multiple. And so they even made comment on this in the in the most recent report to say that there has been a lot of our competitors being consolidated into bigger uh, enterprises. And that's something that's in the back of my mind too, is that even if they don't realize the full potential, there could be strategic acquirers for this business. Mm. Yeah, love it.
0: Love it, Owen. Well, as always, you've uh, delivered us a stock that we didn't know about, which is what we love here at Equity mates finding new inspiration and new ideas. So thank you so much for that. And if you're sitting there wondering how Owen has come up with this thesis and and, uh, done the DCF, then uh, think no further because it's now that time of the episode where we really- discuss the value investor program if you are listening on get started investing um it's worth shouting out that we do have a free get started investing course that (laughs) owen spoke about at the top if you've bought the book thank you so much for the support uh this course really i think complements the the, what we've spoken about in in the book um so
2: and it's not wherever you're listening it's always worth re-covering the basics and uh having a strong foundation so absolutely yeah, I think um, it's free. Uh, Owen's put a lot of work into it. We've put less work into it, but still some work into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's, support, it's we've supported. We've it. We've supported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are the sous chefs in this kitchen. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, but I think uh, it's it is a worthwhile course to do, even if you're Jeff Wilson or Hamish Douglas. <laughs> <system>. <laughs> That's it. So so it's
0: it's free and available on on both of our websites, and and the links will be in the show notes. We'll give a bit more information uh, right at the end of the episode, but Owen, oh, let's chat about the value investor program. Um, what? Why should someone who's listening, uh, the community at at Rask Australia and, and here Rask Invest, why why should they take this course?
1: Yeah. So as as we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, um, investing is somewhat of a black box for a lot of people. You kind of approach investing and you think, I don't know this thing called valuation. I don't understand how to build a portfolio. I don't feel confident. Um, and then there's some people that are confident that probably shouldn't be as <laughs> confident. Um, I was one of those people. And so this program, it's the value investor program um, has been around for a while. It was around we had this 1.0 version and basically what the, the, what it was, was a way for people to learn, basically this consolidated knowledge around how to value companies, how to find companies, how to research companies, and basically do that from start to finish yourself. Now, what, I think we'll get like to what's included in the course, but if we just focus on like what's going to happen if you take the course, I think what you'll find is that you'll go from feeling unsure, but somewhat knowledgeable to very sure and able to take on other, you know, bits of your curiosity, which you haven't kind of scratched yet. So these parts of your knowledge, which you need to fill in. We'll give you the tools to feel confident enough to go and get them mm. and to put them in your wheelhouse. Mm,
0: love it. So, um, it's not just uh, it's not just you know go online log in and read through a bunch of materials what 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 are we actually going to get from this course
1: yeah sure so one of the big things that we know is that our students love downloads like there's no point just you know, watching a presentation or whatever, you can just tune into some webinar for that. What you get is you get the written form of it, which is, you know, probably, I don't know, guessing 100 pages, 150 pages, somewhere like that. That's the equivalent of what it probably would be. But then there's hours and hours and hours of um, video. And then there's a heap of like me screen sharing and showing you this is how this discounted cash flow analysis works. This is how this checklist works. And then you can download all of them in Excel or Google Sheets form we even have we use this thing at ras called notion for all of our investment research it's where we put all of our notes from companies so you'll get all of the the, the templates for that as well um, there'll be workbooks where you can keep your notes it um, is like Google Docs this all this stuff that comes with it but one of the things that we're keen the three of us are keen to do is also to make it a bit more real and a bit more interactive is actually have a few live sessions yeah so we're going to have we're going to have three online sessions, three live sessions to talk through. Two of them will be about companies. The first one, or three of us will sit down and talk about investing generally and interact with everyone, that all the students and learners that take the course. But then the next two will be the community can vote on which companies we look at, and we'll do a full case study on both of
0: those. Awesome. So
1: when we do that together.
0: So, if there's nothing uh, other than wanting to sit down and have a chat to Owen, myself and Ren, then th- this course is the way to do that. <laughs> so, I'm really excited about that. You said it is for early adopters. So, it's for those that sign up to the course within the next seven days or so. I think we're running that through until about the 8th of May or thereabouts. Um, so, uh, yeah, those lucky enough or those who take the action to get on the on that course now, will be able to join those three live sessions, two of which will be with you, Owen, as you said, actually going through some case studies live, which would be really, really helpful. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to tuning into those to um, sharpen up my DCF skills, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing I was just quickly say that that's one of the things that I just really wish I had when I was starting investing and wanted to learn more is to go, hey, this is the problem that I have. Is this the right thing? Like We talk about in investing, once you get into the weeds, you talk about cash flows, you talk about different formulas to calculate free cash flow, and you get confused. It's so easy to get confused. Mm. So to have someone to say, no, that's not right. Here's what you got to do. It's just invaluable. So um, that's what we're trying to get out of everyone in those live sessions.
0: So some of the awesome parts to the course that I think are incredibly valuable is um, you, know, you build out an approach to finding Researching and valuing businesses, like it's just the core essence of value investing, and uh, really helping us. No matter how you learn, if it's visually, if it's watching, you know, videos, as you said, or cracking into the workbooks, um, everything around portfolio construction, ETFs, growth stocks, it's all in there. Super exciting. Um, Anything, anything else that we can, we're going to be taking away from the course.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is not designed. The course is not designed to tell you exactly how to do it in terms of like what's right for you it gives you the skills to build a portfolio that is in your opinion right for you so what i mean by that is we'll tell you how to value companies we'll tell you how to invest in this or invest in that like we'll tell you those skills but it's up to you to then take that and make it your own like one of the workbooks that um we've offered as a download is basically what we would call um investor policy statement, so an ips and this is what you would do if you were you know doing level three of the CFA program, or you were um, even just seeing it, you know, maybe i seeing seen it financial advisor, although it's no replacement for that personal advice, you should always get personal advice. But what it does is it gives you like self-reflection questions. Do I want to invest in an ethical way? Does that not really matter to me? Do I want to invest in global stocks? If so, how much? And so we'll give you skills, but then we'll also give you the, the application. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really important to do that yourself. Um, you know, it's, I think that saves your time, money, and it just makes you feel more confident. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And just briefly, what won't we learn from this course? Because it feels like you're trying to cover everything in here.
1: Yeah, so um, this is a, like the classic Charlie Munger counterpoint. Um, you're not going – this is not an encyclopedia. It's not Investopedia. It's not a replacement for any of those things. It's not a textbook it's actually like real world application so it's it's how do i do it what are the tools do i need and what do i need to know like if you're if if you want to know how to value companies if you want to know how to construct a portfolio we're going to we're going to tell you that we're not going to teach you modern portfolio theory i'm not going to teach you how to calculate uh, a beta to four decimal places i'm not going to do all that mm-hmm. i'm going to teach you exactly what i think i use every day or what i use in an average say year mm-hmm. when i invest mm-hmm. and and what i think industry does as well and so i think that's That's the key difference.
0: And I think something that it is very important to stress here, and this is sort of the common ethos and and between the two of us, it's that we want to make markets accessible. And that sort of carries through to this course as well. We're not expecting anyone to know anything about investing, accounting, the stock market, how businesses work. You will be able to start from almost scratch and work your way through this course. If you're curious enough, you're going to get a lot out of it. And people, you know, private investors, new investors, looking to learn about business, the the economy, markets, you name it, Um, all you need is a bit of curiosity and and sort of passion to uh, improve your own investing skills. And uh, yeah, this course will help you along the way. It's don't feel put off by the fact that there's already some jargon being thrown around. So um, yeah, I think Owen, you've done a great job at making it accessible for anyone at any stage in their investing journey.
1: Can I give you um, one example of someone um I won't mention his name, but he'll know he'll be listening, and he'll know who I'm, who he is. Okay. Um, when I did these workshops in person, we um, we we went to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and we did small workshops around value investing. And I then took that and I put that course online. And someone reached out to me and said, "Hey, can I take that course?" And I said, "Sure, go for it." And this was probably one to two years ago. This person is a physiotherapist, no financial background at all but it was really curious, listens to your podcast, listens to our podcast, wanted to take this course. He took the course and then it just kind of ignited what he'd already been passionate about. And it turns out that he's actually written five of the topics within the course. He's shared his notes on those topics. So within you know one to two years, he's got to the standard where he's really confident and really knowledgeable in these topics and he can do it himself. And I think that's just, we. I'm not taking credit for that. It's more so just... I'm just humbled that we could play a part in that journey. You should take a little bit of credit, Owen. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But he, yeah. you know, if you've got the curiosity, it it will, it will help you along your journey and we will be able to propel you, you know, over that journey. I,
2: yeah. Look, I think I think that's I think we've said a lot about this course. I think the that's the concluding thought. Like yeah. that, no one is going to give you the answers in investing, and that is both its uh, beauty and its drawback for some people. There's no perfect portfolio, and and there's no. Uh, subscription or advisor or anyone that you can see that will do all the work for you and make you a millionaire you gotta put the work in if you want to be a great investor but the biggest point of confusion is i don't know where to direct my efforts like i don't that that confidence of not knowing like am i learning the right things or do i know everything is there stuff that i'm missing and i think for me the value of this course is the confidence that there's been a lot of thought and a lot of effort put into this by people who know what they're doing aka you and your team <laughs> owen not so much bryce and i um that right. that this is this is pretty comprehensive and like i there won't you know that you're never gonna cover every aspect of investing. You're not gonna learn to be a day trader by doing this course. But if you want to be, uh, if you want to find long-term growth stocks that will compound, if you want to understand how to buy them at a price that is reasonable, if you want to understand moats and uh, you know financial analysis and all of that stuff, this is a really comprehensive course. And so, uh, there there is a price tag which we will get to. Uh, but for me, that confidence, that peace of mind that I'm getting something that's had effort put into it and is comprehensive is that's the value in the Value Investor Program.
1: I was just going to say that, yeah, right on. Like the, the I guess the value of the course won't be immediately apparent because even though we give you heaps and heaps of downloads, heaps and heaps of resources, like unbelievable amounts, and it's all kind of pushing you in one direction, you probably... Won't realize the full value of this course until many years down the track. One of one one really good investor here in Australia, Joe Mega, he is, he's now back in the United States, but I reckon he's one of the best investors in Australia from the past ten years. I was bitching and moaning to him about this having to do the CFA program while I was studying, while I was trying to start the business and whatever. And he turned to me and he said, "Oh, and you have to know the rules of the game before you can play it." And that for me was just that one sentence was enough to be like, okay, this is what I've got to do and I know it now and that's going to make me better. And I didn't realize at the time cause I was really struggling with it, but years later I look back on that I think, wow, that was so valuable to me. And I couldn't have quantified that at the time.
0: Awesome. Well, um, yeah. Now's the chance. If the course is live. The course is $499, but plenty of value in there. There's um, something for everyone. So don't uh, don't feel like this course is not for you. It is a joint venture, um, but obviously it doesn't matter if you don't enroll. There's plenty of podcasts between the two of our businesses as well. Plenty of content to, to listen to. However, if you do enroll... Within the next week, as I said, by the end of this week, 8th of May or thereabouts, uh, you will have access to three live 60-minute webinars with Owen, one of which uh, Ren and I will make a an appearance and just bring some vibe, I guess. Maybe it will be <laughs> a surprise which one as well. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. And um, they'll be hosted after work in, our, in, in a time where it's accessible for everyone and you can just uh, jump on, hang out with Owen and, and really go through some practical case studies with him um, and I uh, questions to do with the course now if you do apply uh, a coupon code equity mates is the coupon code mm-hmm. um, you'll get a discount on that four ninety nine. I think it comes down to three ninety nine. dollars 99 so um, pretty good discount already and uh, look we're really excited as we said first time doing something like this and couldn't have sort of thought of a better partner to um, to have done it with Owen so thank you so much for all your effort and time that's gone into this and uh, yeah Love it. So
2: I, I just think we should be clear that there are two courses. Yep. There is a basics of investing, get started investing, free course. Yep. That'll always be free. Yep. I'm looking at you guys in case <laughs> either of you have plans to slap a price tag on no, it at some no, point. Always be free. Uh, um, so that's and then there's the value investor program, which is four ninety nine. Use the discount code Equity Mates, all caps, one word. Uh, and it comes down to 3
0: That's it. We'll put all the links in our show notes or you can head to our website, equitymates.com, click on the resources tab and it'll uh, the landing page will be under there. Uh, Owen, I'm not sure if there's anything different on your end, but um, we'll have notes in our, on, on link, links in yep. notes yep. on our it'll end. will be
1: in the show notes. Yeah, just click on the link, um, use the coupon code. And uh, yeah, I think the free course, to be honest, we, we we both stand for this. I think I speak for both Equitymates community and the RAS community is that we want to help people invest better. Whether you pay us or not, we want to help you on your journey. Just like we wanted, you know, we got help on our journey, and so that that get started investing course is brilliant. Uh, it's a good compliment to the book. Uh, it's probably not a replacement for the book, is what I'd say, because the book is much more comprehensive. Um, but both resources fantastic. Whether you choose to pay us or not, um, we're just love your loyalty and, and really appreciate you being part of our communities.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, it's been fun doing Australia's first four-way uh, crossover episode. So, thank you thank you for your time, Owen. As always, great to chat and we look forward to jumping on one of those uh, live webinars with you in the next few weeks. So, thanks, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it.
0: Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.